Welcome back, all you new you maniacs to the spinner rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast, the voice of the new universe. We're your hosts, Andy with DP7 number 17 and Steven with Cyforce number 18. Huh? Cyforce. The new universe was launched in 1986 as an imprint from Marvel Comics dedicated to a more grounded and less fantastic approach to comics and world building. The idea was the world outside your window with real-time progress and more realistic technology, physics, and biology. After the first year, some books were canceled, though we're seeing their characters in other places, and the creative t- and the remaining books now have transitioned to new status quos, quoa, with more, quai, with oh, more action and consistent creative teams with our podcast you can follow along with us each week as we go through each comic in the order they hit the spinner rack or just check out individual comics if you already have a favorite we have a season three trivia challenge over at our website www.kickersinc.com where you can test your knowledge of kickers inc and the rest of the new universe and we also have a Twitter account at Kickers Inc. or an X account, I guess, that uh, we use to let you know of what our upcoming shows are all about. And once again, we're going off our original schedule of titles. And this, the DP7 and Cyforce this week, this scheduling will help us pace out some big events coming just around the corner. Schedule? What schedule? I, I put thought into this at some point. <laughs> People will get else. the comics that we decide to read to them and they'll just be happy with it. We're just going to start skipping issues. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's too late for some of them. I don't know. Yeah, it does feel like we've been reading a lot of Cyforce. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Cyforce every week for. Okay. All the side time. Uh, but yeah, so this week I'll be covering dp7 uh in the wake of the white event seven random people with paranormal powers found themselves at the clinic now the clinic is theirs but the question becomes can all the paranormals get along the answer is no they cannot (laughs) Um, so this issue the clinic turns into a no holds barred battleground when gang war or race war maybe gang war maybe race war uh maybe both erupts amongst all of the paranormals all of them uh how can dp7 survive in a complex that's become a madhouse (laughs) written by mark grunewald penciled by paul ryan inked by danny bulanati and this week i'll be covering cyforce a group of psychic teenage paranormal runaways bound together by a psychic psychic entity called the cyhawk cyforce 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 18. Is Wayne Tucker the only Cyforce member to survive the Sanctuary Safehouse explosion? The mysterious international Medusa Web wants to know, and they'll tear apart Seattle to get that answer. Alone in a Crowd is written by Fabian Nicieza, penciled by Ron Lim, inked by Romeo Tangal. And we'll go back over the uh, universe news for the 17th uh, month yeah a little bit of news all right dp7 number 17 
so it is cover dated March. Um, mine says March. Your think my think says May. Uh, yeah, cover dated March. Sorry, confusion. And uh, get the script writer in here. You're fired. <laughs> okay. This would be 1988. Yeah. Um, though it really came out probably December 8th. So uh this one is sort of within the schedule. We've just been hopping around a little bit. Um, and our previous issue was the DD teens formed, so that the teen gang, which uh, was not the most powerful group of paranormals in the clinic, but they formed their own group led by Scuzz, and things didn't go too great. Uh, mostly Scuzz got beat up a lot uh, and ag- <laughs> agitated the Black Powers group a bit. When one of your team members can only like make a gentle rain on herself, that <laughs> you kind of got to count that like as one, you know, as a zero in the, uh, you know, Great should be great in case of a fire. <laughs> you uh or the heat wave crops. in the southwest of America going on right now, probably not when this gets released, but <laughs> yeah. This DP7 came out with uh along with last week's uh justice number 17, I should say. It's yeah, the, the scheduling we're doing. We call it race war part four. Um and uh <laughs> cover's got a nice red background and it's just a bunch of paranormals fighting uh, with Mastodon, Dave Landers sort of in the middle. There's maybe Jeff hanging on his arm and he's holding up some guy with his hand and, you know, bazookas firing blasts and Skez and Indigo are kind of in the foreground squaring off in the classic fists bearing sort of, I don't know, superhero Kirby kind of pose. Uh, that is like straight out of uh, how to draw com- comics the Marvel way. Yeah, you, yeah, I guess so. Clash um, of Titans or something. I don't know. Uh, the only, only kind of like goofy point of interest I think on here is that like I, I think it's Freefall Artie, the racist paranormal security guard, uh, has got like a green streak in his yellow hair, which looks kind of weird. Like. It does, yeah, yeah. You got a little uh, punk rock. <laughs> maybe someone yeah, just the, hit him with the highlighter on accident when they were coloring it. I don't know. There was like, there's. It's a little less clear in inside the book, but uh, there is something funny about his hair. So, it's a. Uh, I I think he's like um, that's an actual yeah punk rock look or something. Yeah, he got he was bored while he was laid up in the hospital. I guess. It's like he came out of prison and he's now he's like even meaner, except this is also a prison, so I'm not sure how much sort of. it would be. <laughs> it's the clinic. Uh, uh, but yeah, so let's open up the book to the splash page or crash page, dead joke. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, nice. where Jack Magna Conti is flying through a wall <laughs> of the clinic, basically. <laughs> Damn it, Brick! Get back here! <laughs> I won't put up with this. Uh, Darlene, no, quit it, laughing. It doesn't, it doesn't look exactly like Jack Magnaconti, but I think it's one of the uh, muscular dudes that we saw working out in a previous issue. Uh, and we learned this issue that his name is Scrap Iron. Uh, but yeah, this big, burly, white guy, white hair, you know, 
skimpy gym shorts flying through a wall. Um, and our title of the issue is Madhouse. And as usual, writer, creator, penciler, Mark Gruenwald wrote it. Paul Ryan penciled it. Uh, so yeah. gone are the days of the screwy creative teams that we don't really uh, know what we're going to get. But DP7 always gave us the good ones anyway. But yeah, so he basically uh, this burly dude goes flying through the wall. Um, there's a ton going on on the page. Uh, there's like scribbles and graffiti all over the wall, like a black... Uh, Black powers symbol, scribble, uh, X'd out with DD teens rule written over the top. Uh, there's a lot of names and, um, yeah, just, just graffiti all over the place. Uh, sometimes it seems like it's referencing paranormals and sometimes it seems like it's maybe just referencing like Marvel bullpen people. Like is Danny B just Danny Buonati or is that the name of one of the guys? I'm not sure. I'm going to guess there was yeah a lot of in-jokes in there. So I didn't find like tons of, you know, things I could decode now. Like there's an MG, probably Mark Gruenwald. There's yeah. a, I think, Mackey behind Squirm there. Probably the, the editor, Howard Mackey. Right. But then there's things like Jason. Who I don't know. Where's Jason? I don't know. Yeah. Or David Dribbles Seltzer. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't, I don't know. It. That comes up <laughs> twice. <laughs> twice that comes up don't know anyway uh scrap iron goes flying through the wall in front of squirm of the black powers with the wiggly bendy arms and uh charlie currently unaffiliated with a gang <laughs> or multi multi-affiliated I... no wait she got kicked out of black powers Never mind. kicked out of the black and left the regular dp7 group um, but yeah, so emerging through the hole in the wall is uh, Bazooka, my equally buff, large, and skimpily dressed uh, uh, member of the Black Powers. And he can kind of shoot force blasts out of his fists. Um, I'm not really sure what Scrap Iron's powers are, except maybe he's just super durable. Like, he can take a hit. Yeah, I mean... That's that's all we're seeing is like he's hitting the bazooka like with his fist and he yeah can take really take those blasts. I mean he gets kind of knocked over but he's not getting hurt. So yeah, best I can tell, the only difference between him and Magna Conti visually is maybe he's got a little bit of a gap tooth. And you don't see it too much on this page, but I think you can see it later. Um, but yeah, basically the two guys rumble in the hallways like. Uh, we don't know why they're arguing, um, but, you know, Scrap Iron can take a bazooka shot straight to his chest and kind of keep coming, running through him and, and punching bazooka in the face. Um, so they, they're kind of both giving it to each other as uh, Charlie and Squirm have to kind of jump out of the way. Um, they kind of both jump onto the wall and Charlie sticks them there, kind of Spider-Man style to try and keep them out of out of trouble. Um and again, we get some kind of interesting bits. So Bazooka is yelling, nobody calls me what you did. Nobody. So racial term again? I, I don't know. Uh, get a little peek of Lenore. And this is apparently the hallway where her bedroom is. And she kind of barely peeks out the door saying, what in God's name's going on out there? Oh, it does not concern me. Nothing does anymore. And she closes the door. <laughs> 
It's like, oh, it's just people battling it out that could come crashing through your wall at any time. Jesus, that like you're like an old person and your neighborhood's gone to hell and you're just like, I'm just going to stay in my room and I'm not deal with this anymore. I think, I think that's a pretty fair comparison. <laughs> I mean, how like the clinic looked professional before and now it just looks, yeah, like it's gone crazy with the paint and the graffiti and everything. And then now walls getting knocked down and yeesh. Yeah, it doesn't look like things have been going well in between the issues. Um, so yeah, so Charlie's climbing on the ceiling and Squirm's kind of like bending his body to get out of there. Um, and at the moment then, uh, Dave Landers, who had been given the job as security guy, comes around the corner. And uh, with him is, uh, well, we we learn his name is Kurt Stalagmite. Uh, who was like a really big, tall, bald guy that was in the volleyball, volleyball team group, you know, in the dream issue way back when. But I, I guess they were all real paranormals. Um, you've only really seen him in the background up until today. So get lots of new characters kind of popping up. Um, but yeah, so Landers rumbles into the hallway. All right, wise guys, hold it right there. And they're like, stay out of this, you chrome domes. This don't concern you. Well, Landers has got hair, but he's bald on top. And uh, Stalagmite uh, is completely hairless on, on his head. Um, this is wrong. Curtis Curtis and I are security guards here. Lame brains disturbing the peace definitely concern us. Uh, I, I like his lame uh, <laughs> uh, call outs kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so Landers basically like blocks his bazooka arm, knocks it out of the way. Again, this must be totally wrecking this hallway. Uh, you know, knees bazooka right in the gut, and then pretty quickly and easily kind of ties him up. So holds his arms behind his back. Um, we don't really get to see the action as much, but uh, stalagmite also easily overpowers scrap iron we get all kinds of nicknames here he's laying on top of him says this troublemaker's down and scrap iron saying get off of me and in his head he's like skinny geek must weigh a ton how's that possible so he's like really tall not super built but i'm guessing his power is just like either weight control or just being really heavy yeah either density or gravity control something like that mm. i mean in a in a like increasing it way the reverse of free falls whatever yeah. um but yeah he's big and can you know hang with landers so yeah he's co-security guard or something Oop, one sec. so you know as Landers and Stalagmite kind of give these two guys the purple walk, I guess. Uh, Landers is thinking to himself, what's the concept here, guys? Is this where we all, this is where we all live. You want to turn this place into a junkyard? Is that it? As if paranormals don't have enough problems dealing with what we've become, you zips have to start more trouble. <laughs> so calls them lame brains and zips, which is fun. All right, so uh, moving on from there, uh, Charlie and Squirm kind of start having a conversation, mostly just kind of recapping how she'd been kind of kicked out and, you know, how Indigo is angry and Indigo, the leader of the Black Powers, always seems angry. So um, that's just kind of her thing. 
and uh, she she uh she called like squirm calls her friction she's like call me charlie will you squirm and squirm never comes back with like oh yeah call me uh bob or something yeah, i don't think i have a i don't think i have a name for him just squirm so far uh, yeah um but as they're conversing and you get sort of a funny uh, again more crap on the walls of landers sucks and beck is an oreo as in <laughs> charlie beck <laughs> black on the outside white on the inside kind of thing um so you, you could guess that it's not just one person writing all these things uh, but they walk past uh, the Tangler and Freefall, uh, who are kind of hanging out in the security room, glaring at them. Um, again, we get sort of more recap. Like those hard cases, uh, those two guys are probably the worst hard cases here. I'll bet anything they're going to want to get revenge on the ones who beat them. Um, because, yeah, the Black Powers, all of them kind of ganged up and uh, really gave them a pretty savage beating uh, two issues ago. All right, so again, we're kind of following Charlie as she's walking to her job. She's the receptionist. Um, runs into uh, Jeff Blur hanging out, talking on the phone. And whoever he's talking to says, you are great. Uncle Ray's saving newspaper clippings of that super dude star brand for me. Maybe you can find some he missed while you're out there. So uh, I think he mentioned he has family in Pittsburgh and he's also mentioned these he's kind of excited about star brand and the public superhero persona being out there we'll yeah they going. assume that uh, star brand is a paranormal although that's not our impression but yeah he's he's the first face of paranormality out there so uh we're seeing this uh here we and in cyforce and uh forget justice also maybe so maybe. yeah it's that uh yeah it's out there everyone knows about paranormals now right okay. and this is part of like the new new universe too of like actually kind of having little tidbits of what's going on in the other books at least which is kind of nice right exactly um but yeah so jeff's on the phone he gets distracted by um oh <laughs> what's the guy mothball basically uh, the the teen kid who can Goal something who can throw those uh, energy dampening like spitballs at people uh, is harassing someone he calls mutator. I'm not sure if, if that would be his official nickname or just a mean thing. Uh, but another new paranormal we've never seen before. He looks kind of like an alien. Uh, he's got kind of like a a bumpy, strange looking face, and maybe he's a little spiny now too. Um, and yeah, we get sort of the... like an orc if it was a fantasy, yeah, kind of or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I I do remember mutator is a is a thing. So I I guess he'll be like you know, stay tuned for more mutator. I don't remember much, but hopefully. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So he they talk about how his power is changing himself constantly. Um and the I, I since they're throwing the power dampening balls at him, it's like a very negative power. So you'd think it would be like beneficial, like, oh I'm back to like a you know, my my normal self instead of this weird 
thing you can't even describe right those hit him but it doesn't really seem to do anything so right but those physical sort of paranormalities might be different you know like would the spitball do anything to dave landers right Right, right, i don't know (laughs) suddenly he's like 511 and 180 (laughs) pounds something something for the the letters column i guess (laughs) though honestly it could be a good backup for uh for Jeff, just having somebody else that can kind of depower him. Actually, yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely also one who who needs people to like take the edge off of him. So, <laughs> well, anyway, the, instead he's just harassing the weird looking guy. <laughs> um, he is a lot meaner this this issue than he was last issue, where he was just kind of a yeah. Jerk seems seems like he's maybe lost it a little bit. <laughs> um. So, so yeah, so Jeff's kind of like, all right, I got to go, Mom. Give me a call when you get to Pittsburgh, okay? Nothing bad's ever going to happen in Pittsburgh. Uh, love you to say, hey, say hey to Dennis and Michelle. And it kind of breaks it up by, uh, you know, stopping, getting in the way of mothball. Um, you know, that's where he mentions he's got the worst paranormality. He just changes from one goofy-looking bod to another all the time. Um but Jeff has no problem sort of dodging the spitballs of this guy, uh, basically, you know, pulling like a teenager move and like pulling his jacket over his head and, he's, you know, knock it off. It's not so fun when you're getting picked on. Uh, if I ever catch you ragging on that guy again, you're going to be on the receiving end permanently, pal. I'm going to be all over you like a bad case of poison ivy, you dig? <laughs> Jeff is a pretty young guy still, but he's like comes off as like an old man talking to this teenager. Well, he was like the 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 manager of the McDonald's or something. Actually, right? yeah, so he must be he used, used to... to herding them around. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, the DD teens have their own jackets. I think they're more like denim jackets, whereas the uh, Black Powers have like a nice leather jacket with a logo on the back. That Joel has a DD teen jacket that just looks like i don't know scuzz drew on it or something yeah well it'd be easy to make your own custom dd teens cosplay outfits then i guess (laughs) (laughs) surprise us in the uh on our twitter feed uh we don't have an instagram so you you have to go (laughs) out of your way a little bit okay right so, uh, so Jeff chats with Charlie just a little bit, you know, again, kind of asks her if she'll come back and join them. Um, she's like, everybody wants you back. Uh, all of you. Yeah. Even Randy. He's like, what's that supposed to mean? He says, well, Randy never told us any details, but it's pretty obvious you and him had a bad falling out. And that's why you left. And uh, she's thinking in her, in her head, I offered him my love and he rejected it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. There's an gosh. even funnier panel about that in a, in a little bit, but <laughs> I mean the the sort of it's like it's a great like close up of her and she's thinking this is like a perfect like romance comic uh scene, I don't know. Yeah, the sad face. Oh, my love. Yeah. Jeff anyway. just does not understand the inner turmoil that she's going through. <laughs> Right. So as as they're talking, then uh, the security guys, Landers and Stalagmite, you know, haul the uh, two fighting burly dudes into the principal's office. Uh, Miss Curtis, who's sort of the new uh, leader new of the clinic. 
Miss Newhouse. Newhouse, sorry, yeah. I don't know why Curtis is Stalagmite's name. It's um, also a last name, so yeah. But she doesn't rule with the iron fist that uh, Overshadow slash Voight did. <laughs> uh, perhaps that's the problem, though. But yeah, so that's it. You know, they, they quite literally sits them down in front of the boss. Uh, it's like, why? And scrap irons like well it's all bazooka's fault ever since he joined that black powers group he's been putting on airs acting like hot shinola shinola um i told him to cut it out and he got steamed so it's like popeye and bluto fighting each other i think really at this point uh that's an even more dated than the new universe reference i suppose wow <laughs> But yeah, she's, she yells at them, you know, it's like, what the heck are you guys thinking? You know, we'll discuss how you guys are going to have to pay for this damage. Uh, they basically kind of send them off. We're uh, going to dis- tomorrow we're going to discuss reparations and the black powers all like perk up their ears. What? No, I meant no, restitution. Never mind. Oh, okay. Yeah, You're going to pay that. us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nat- Newhouse doesn't have any powers herself. She was just a normie, as I recall. Yeah. Most of the clinic uh, staff are just normal people. Because all of the powered ones are dead. Well, I guess uh, Hackbarth, no, Hackbarth is... is still hanging out, right? But presumably Not still in a coma. Dave is like, yeah. We just honestly, wait they... for him to wake up to kill him, I think. But anyway. yeah, Honestly, they could use a little Hackbarth shutting people down, maybe. Yeah. I'm afraid he joined like the. Well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Probably uh, not. You'd have to offer him quite a deal to to keep him in line, but not to come against at, at you again. I don't know. Right. So, clinic near Miss Newhouse uh, kind of holds David Landers back to kind of talk. It's like, what are we going to do? It's not an isolated incident. The violence and hostilities have reached epidemic proportions. The place has become a pressure cooker. I'm afraid it's going to blow. Uh, the pressure cooker has the release valve on top, but okay. Uh, it'd be more of a pipe bomb, I guess. Um, clinic did, the clinic didn't have these problems when Dr. Voigt was running it. And Landers, well, that's because Voigt was using mind control <laughs> techniques to maintain discipline, man. It may have worked, but it was wrong. Or was it? That's that's not what my uh, yearly faculty performance evaluation says. It says last person holding this job kept everything under control. You not so much. That's what my evaluations say. Now I need some improvement. <laughs> I don't know. Boy, she's kind of in a difficult situation there. Uh, so she talks about some of the staff leaving. Uh, you know, every, maybe everybody's going to leave. Um, they. Again, to kind of emphasize that this place has just gone crazy. Uh, her office is nice, but like the antibody starts flying through, chasing after the oh, what is it, ghost driver antibody, like the, the killer one, man, yeah. which kind of looks funny. He's, he's got different hair and like flash, like lightning bolts kind of coming out of him. Um, yeah, they, they basically settle on, um, you know, we're gonna have to maybe start doing something right do we throw people out but that's difficult you know at least we can stop the these gang groups right so they're going to get everybody together the next day and have an assembly who's even more like school principal uh you know they're going to shut shut down the gangs no more dd teams no more black powers uh no more 
third group of left-handed divorcees or whatever was the, the fun one from last this year. That should go over well. Yeah. So, so more conversation. Uh, Scuzz has got his le- got his uh, DD Teens denim jacket, but also somehow found time to screen print a Scorcher T-shirt. It's got like flames. Kind of looks like uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper or something. It's kind of cool. I, I assume there's like someone in town who does all the screen printing for them, and like, all right, a new gang over at the uh, clinic. Let's get. Um, you guys need new code names? We gotta, we gotta run Scorcher off all you want. <laughs> and and there's kind of a fun vibe through this comic where, like, as we're transitioning between scenes, uh, it's like one character walking through the clinic. He walks by Scuzz, and then we kind of pick up with what he's talking about, and he wanders by, and then he walks past the Black Powers room, and then we kind of pick up with them. So it's actually some, some cool, uh, sequential art there um again this guy doesn't say anything too uh he, he writes dd teens rule and like kind of acid burns right on the reception desk so trashing the clinic just a little bit more um but yeah as, as he kind of wanders by you know seeing all the damage that scrap iron and them made he walks past the room where the black powers are hanging out um and they say uh we see we get chill um chill wexler saying look indigo i i say a guy who can turn invisible you can't call missing blind spots probably just spying on folk and um i think bazooka says i don't know chill it ain't like him to be out this late so blind spot may be missing so some problems going on here um and they start discussing uh freefall and tangler right so so they're kind of back up back up in action and i say we let those two honks recuperate recuperate uh in peace seeing as how they didn't squeal we was the ones who messed them up but right now they might be aching to get back at us and indigo says if they dare try anything they're dead (laughs) um so Chill is tired. He says, all right, I'm going to go catch some Z's. Wake me up if anything goes down. Uh, he goes up to his room. We get a little bit of insight into his powers. Of, uh, he's like always cold. So he, he needs to do something to kind of keep his body temperature up. Uh, what's funny is he's thinking to himself, sure wish I could get old Indigo to wrap herself around me. No way I'd be shivering then. Says maybe he's got a little crush. <laughs> His, uh, above his bed, he's got a uh, poster. It looks kind of like Dazzler. I don't know who he's, it's supposed to be. but Yeah, some kind of disco, disco era. Wearing leotard person. But yeah, he's uh, it's kind of a, like a little sad insight about his saying his circulation gets worse and he can't move his fingers and to- toes because he's this cold is, I think, growing on him or something, it sounds like. So yeah. it's like sad little... Oh, poor guy kind of moment for him. Um, and yeah, he, he goes to bed in fully dressed in this like coat and hat. And then, like, yeah, like big giant season. comforter over the top of them kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, And most of the, or a lot of the paranormals have had downsides to their powers. And that's kind of what the beginning of the book has been had sort of explored with our main characters at least. But yeah. 
nice little details on the side characters. Um, but as he sleeps at exactly 12.21, so after midnight, uh, we see some figures floating up by his window, and that's our resident uh, racist security dudes. Uh, free fall in the tangler. Sounds like a morning radio show. Um, hey, free fall in the tangler here. Hey. <laughs> So you've you got- seen those uh, other race people? I hate those guys. <laughs> so so we got Freefall floating in, uh, himself and Tangler up to the window. So like a, a couple stories up. You know, so they open up the window and then they levitate Chill and he doesn't wake up and gently wrap him up in uh, Tangler's wires, right? So he basically creates these like energy wires per se that you can kind of control and you know trip people grab them that kind of thing so they scoop the guy up float him out the window uh, he starts to wake up he's like oh cold where's my blanket he's like yeah i'm floating um and tangler says shut your mouth folks are trying to get some sleep and he actually uses his wires to kind of like wrap the guy around the chest but also like stuffs them in his mouth like a gag uh, so they're they're getting good at using these powers for no good. Um, again, they're anti gravity, not flying. So he has to kind of lasso onto a a TV antenna, and they pull themselves onto the roof. Uh, get a fun like perfect. You're getting to be a regular Spider Man with that stuff. So Spider Man reference. Um, and then things aren't looking too good. So um, Rod White Wigand, the Tangler. It says, uh, well, Chilly Willy, here's where we part company. You might be thinking we're mad at you and your chicken spit friends for ganging up on us and pulping us like you did. Nah, we're the forgiven sort. In fact, we decided to give you a, a present, a free trip to one of our favorite vacation spots. <laughs> the pavement, three stories below. <laughs> Oof. So he can't scream. He's all wrapped up. You know, can't use his power. His arms are pinned. They drop him off the top of the clinic and he splats on the pavement. Oof. Uh, An effective uh, long panel uh, where we just have a very small figure um, of him crashing on the on the ground. And you still see the two uh, back on top. And we're going to see something like that again in Cyforce in a minute. So... I'll just point this out as I, I don't know what's going on this month, but they're dropping from the ceiling. Everyone's um, dropping off. But I think that's our—I mean, that's our first clinic member, RIP. Right, the staff paranormals had been killed, but um, first one looking, we've seen. Yeah, not looking too good for chill. Um, yeah, just then the the two antibodies, like the one that had been sort of taken in by the orphan kid and one of Zeppo and whatever, uh, are chasing each other still, and they come across the body. Right, so the the you know the one that's still uh, Randy's uh, antibody is kind of shocked and goes to try and wake up Randy. So it. It, whatever it sees and experiences when it goes back into him, like he gets it back to him like a recording. Um, but Randy's in dreamland. And this is probably my favorite panel. <laughs> we get to see a picture into his dream and like the antibody can kind of see it and see what's going on. And it's like Randy dressed as like a Northern general uh, and Charlie 
dressed in kind of like a Southern Belle kind of dress. And he's saying, now that you're a free woman, Miss Charlotte, perhaps you'd care to move up north with me. Mr. O'Brien. <laughs> I I kind of thought of it more as like a Snow White deal. I don't know. that, that it, It's sort of like it could also be like an even older European like a royalty outfit on him and kind of a, I don't know, she's holding roses, but yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I, I, I thought the Southern it was like thing a Civil War good. thing. <laughs> hmm, nice. Yeah. It is the best panel in the book, I gotta say. That. Like, <laughs> the antibody yeah. just scratches his head like we're doing, and I'm like, oh, forget this guy. Uh, so it flies out of there and finds uh, Landers, who's sleeping by Stephanie. So she had been like put into a coma by uh, the old staff, the the Hackbarth, and uh, and um, and still hasn't broken out of it. Uh, so. oh, I just noticed she's he's reading Valley of the Horses, which I think is the sequel to the book he was reading last month. Yeah, book passes in real time. <laughs> um. Which I think, though, like there there could be some uncertainty about this, but I gotta assume that he's also transferring the memory of Randy's dream to David Landers too. <laughs> it was like the most recent thing that the antibody would be showing him. <laughs> what? You can only hope. <laughs> uh, quick uh, fact check shows that. The book is actually The Valley of Horses, not Valley of the Horses. Oh, bummer. Uh, so I don't know what he's reading. It's like a knockoff version. Non-union equivalent, yes. <laughs> anyway, Landers kind of startles away. He's like, an antibody? You saw what? Where? So he gives him the kind of lassie. There's somebody stuck in the old mill kind of treatment uh, and leads him there. So the antibody leads him outside uh to where our poor guy chill is splattered on the pavement uh it's like it's chill wex it looks like he fell from his window or was pushed um and so uh what's left of the staff the hospital staff maybe uh comes out uh miss newhouse um apparently lives there because she's in a robe um everybody's kind of in-house um you know, all kind of responded, but they end up kind of hushing it up. She says, we'll have to conduct an investigation to see if foul play was involved. You ask me, it was, it was. Wexler wasn't the suicidal type. And she says, oh, mercy me. If it is murder, we're going to have a riot on our hands. Well, it is the title of the book. Um, we better get some sleep. Something tells me we're going to need it tomorrow. Um, again, little details. Uh, Landers has a picture of Stephanie in his pocket watch. <laughs> so... Married woman guy. Hmm. If there's one thing I'm surprised in the storyline, it's that she hasn't woken up yet. Yet, it's uh, this is 17. It was before they came back in 12 when she got blasted. So it's been six months, real time at least. So. Yeah, she's gonna have some weak legs. Um. Yeah. So. It is a nice tr- time transition thing. You're looking at the same watch, but it's like morning and Dave is thinking to himself, got to go get ready. Lousy night. It's time for the assembly. <laughs> so he goes and knocks on Lenore's door. Uh, 
you know, she answers, uh, but she's like, David, you know, I don't see anyone anymore. Uh, he's like, well, there's an important meeting. She's like, if someone would take notes, I'd be happy to read them. He's like, who's going to take notes for you, Lenore? Come on. Uh, he's like, it's been well over a month since you locked yourself away. Uh, no mention of the body paint guy that she brought in there with him. So I'm assuming he's passed out in there or something. <laughs> It has a very like um, shaggy look to her now. Yeah, she looks like more bent over, like like she aged a ton. She was kind of young and spry, having stolen all the energy from other paranormals and such, and was feeling good about it, but good physically, but bad mentally. Um, and you know, she's thinking in her head, the hunger, being close to other people, makes me feel the hunger. And David David Bowie and uh, uh, Susan Sarandon or Catherine Deneuve. Wow. Oh, okay. The Hunger? Yeah, yeah. They were like vampires or something. Gotcha. Uh, Landers is thinking, he said, poor old lady. I think her paranormality is driving her insane. Either that or it's senility. (laughs) She's getting on in the years. One of the two. (laughs) Eh, You know. Anyway. Well. Yeah, he. Again, keeping with the trend of kind of like the walking path through the clinic, you know, he walks by a room filled with paranormal women. Uh, so there's a whole squad. Uh, there's uh, Pamela. She was the one in the dream who has like maybe fall in love with you kind of powers, emotional something. Uh, there's the crazy haired lady, who I think was, uh, what was her name? Just Sally, I think is all we got. Uh, a new character who says hi david and um another character that was kind of always in the background of the you know we don't really know much about her who's thinking i think sponge has a thing for that big guy what a pair they'd make so sponge is an enormously overweight woman uh with blonde hair um and i guess this is her first appearance key issue yeah yeah remember this one yeah the uh sponge i also remember in appearing uh, points later so yeah we'll see a little Um, more of her in this issue i I do recall that she's uh she becomes a a little more of a major character at least a little um yeah so sally's in all green outfit with gloves on it kind of looks like she's sizzling or maybe she's got coffee or she's just got crazy like i got shocked hair uh, just all standing out all over the place. Um, and they're talking to Charlie. He says, the reason why I asked you all to be here should be pretty obvious. I think it's high time we women paranormals <laughs> got together and started our own group. Boy. Our own group. Yeah. Now we're talking, sister. Did yeah, this invite, is... Did they invite all... Indigo? <laughs> uh, um, so we've got three of these women were in that uh, um, the volleyball therapy group that she fought and then sponge we haven't seen before and uh charlie um we've got stephanie's asleep and lenore's hiding so you'd have quite a team actually yeah yeah there's a couple of the the teens are girls the one with the rain cloud and the girl with the like sound powers too annie and heather yeah those are good I mean, sound power girl is good. Um, yeah. Brain I mean, club, maybe not so much. 
It would, I don't know. I mean, it makes sense, but it's also like um, one more nail in the coffin of the clinic here. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> spinning out of race war, we're going into identity politics war. Uh, Sally's like, sisterhood is powerful, Charlie. Being a woman is far more important, is, is a far more important aspect of your identity than your race or your age. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like where are you guys so charlie's kind of just walks out he's like oh, i free period i this is the only time i can go work out <laughs> um so maybe there's a woman's group maybe not quite yet uh she's like, oh, i promise i'll think about your invitation she she kind of walks out runs into squirm again kind of bending his way through the hallway in kind of a funny pose and it's like something really weird's going down uh, blind spot disappeared after breakfast yesterday and last night chill disappeared right out of his bed we found the window open and blood all over the cement no sign of him uh, and just as she's talking about well, what does indigo think indigo blasts open the door and starts yelling at everybody uh, so I'll tell you I think they were murdered I think we're all going to be murdered one by one unless we strike first Well, the end, start I mean, murdering you're probably right it's <laughs> like it's free fall and tangler. Who else? They want revenge on us for the beating we gave them three months ago. Uh, so, yeah. So, Indigo is probably right, but also is always seems sort of instigated a lot of that herself. So, yeah. yeah. So, it's like, all right, it's time to read uh, yourself, Charlie. Time to stand strong. We got to face off against these killers. You know, that and the staff stuff. people who are covering up for them. Yeah, everything's. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, if you don't help us, Free Fall and Tangler are going to kill you. Uh, and basically, they say, you know, so at the start of the assembly, we're going to start a riot. And the, the riot it will be cover for them killing those two guys. Uh, her and Bazooka will take the lead on that. Charlie and Squirm are sort of supposed to sort of back it up. And then, but of course, officer, we can't tell what killed this guy. I mean, sure, there was a giant purple fist crushing him for a while, but that could have been anyone's. It could have been. <laughs> uh, and then, in the end, before she walks out, she's like, "You tell anyone or mess up in any way, you won't have to worry about those whiteies killing you. I will." Jeez, it's a whole lot of murdering going on around here. But anyway, so. You know, she kind of storms off, you know, leaving Squirm and Charlie together again. You know, he's talking about uh, maybe it's time to just run away from here. Uh, Charlie, of course, has experienced that life and isn't exactly looking forward to it. Um, so if she takes off, you know, oh, I got to go think, you know, got to go exercise. Just everybody wants something out of poor Charlie. Uh, Squirm's there still kind of in the exercise room on his own. Um Again, he he was not really the violent one. Like he usually kind of stand back in the fights too, and didn't really get too involved. You know, didn't really do much to uh, uh, those two guys in the first place. But uh, seems like his time is up. Uh, he's there stretching. Does he need to stretch? That's kind of his thing. Um, thinking to himself, why did I ever join the Black Powers? Maybe I should run away all by myself. <laughs> And he gets interrupted by the tangle vines. Um, so yeah, the this one-two punch of lift him up in the air, tie him up in the in the wires. Um and 
think we get from well, I'm not really sure which which guy it's from. One one of the two guys is hi escort. Want to go for a ride? Yeah, you look like you do. Oh, did we mention it's the last ride you're ever gonna take? So it seems like that's their thing now is tie them up, drop them off a high place. It's uh one thing to do that in the middle of the night but at like 11 10 a.m when like everyone's heading to an assembly okay yeah. um, getting, the, mm. the murderers are getting bolder <laughs> i guess yeah mm. doesn't exactly maybe... take professor plum in the pantry with the wrench uh yeah to figure this one out i guess that's three three black powers dead best we can tell you yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's difficult with uh, DP Seven or New Universe because uh, it's not always um, if you don't see a body, don't don't believe it the way it is with uh, mainline Marvel U. But um, it's likely those are three are all dead. Yeah, mm-hmm. the only body we've seen is Chill, though. So that's true. Yeah. Um... But we're pretty sure. I think blind spot is a little more questionable. Squirm, I think, is heavily implied, so we can feel pretty confident. Uh, um, but yeah, Wexler and uh, or sorry, uh, uh, Artie and Rod, Freefall and Tangler are racking up a justice level body count here. So, yikes. yeah, what's Charlie looking for the justice killer for in uh couple issues ago and uh, she's got her own uh, paranormal killers here plenty of murdering going on yeah she should have been recruiting justice to hang out there <laughs> run security yeah. for the clinic so we've got yeah in the next uh, in the crowd we've got uh, tangler and freefall are there uh, squirm is not so yeah, yeah draw your own conclusions as you say squirm is not neither is blind spot uh, all right, so yeah, yeah. Next panel is the assembly, and we get basically a shot of all of the non-hiding or comatose paranormals. Uh, so it's a big group shot of all the characters plus a handful of antibodies. Um, you know, we get to see kind of everybody, um, and you know, as they're waiting for uh, uh, Miss Newhouse to kind of start talking, uh, Indigo's kind of ready to go. She's like, "On my signal." <laughs> Uh, and da, 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 da. so yeah, Lenora's a no-show. A couple of them are dead. Um, not sure if this accounts for every possible paranormal, but pretty much everybody's here. And she's like, "Can I have your attention, please? Uh, we can begin. Uh, let me get straight to the point. Discipline's gotten way out of hand in months since Doctor Voigt left. You know, to cope with it, the following policies will be immediately implemented. First, security monitors will be reinstalled in all hallways." Yeah, we really could have used those. Uh, uh, second, those caught engaging in any crime, particularly acts of violence or vandalism, will be expelled. Right, she's still worried about vandalism when there's three, three murders. Uh, and third, all special interest groups will be disbanded. All patients will be returned to their assigned therapy groups as of tomorrow. And that's what pisses everybody off. They don't. What? They want to no be in their, way. No way, groups. pigs. <laughs> that's not fair. Uh, that. Yeah, the women are pretty upset. They're like, they were just going to get in on this. And like, yeah. Ah, oh, come on. Five minutes ago. That's when we put this team together five minutes ago. And now we can't. Oh, great. Thanks. 
<laughs> Indigo gives him a no way, pig. He's like, she's not the police. Oh, <laughs> uh, but that, that's it. Like that's that's uh, enough to get them going. And uh, Indigo, you know, gives the the signal <laughs> to get it to get it started. Basically, it's like I don't know where Squirm is, but let's do it. And uh, the riot starts off with Bazooka basically firing one of his fist blasts. Um, you know, straight at Rod the Tangler, uh, and shooting him right out the window, right out the front door. <laughs> um, I uh, I kind of thought they were trying to cover them, doing it under cover of the riot, because it's like they just start the riot by blowing away one of the other guys, which <laughs> isn't very you know undercover in any sort of way. But okay, it's okay. the job done. <laughs> you know why not? Yeah, then, then we get a couple panel, <laughs> a couple panels of mayhem, really. Um DDT got... teens destroy scuzzle like ghost scorcher on a moment's notice, you know, just right. For any excuse. Good, any excuse. Um yeah, it's just you know, crazy, you know, lots going on. We get uh, in uh, Free Fall's head, he's like looking out after my own tail. Don't know if I caught Roddy in time, so maybe he tried to use his power so he didn't hit the pavement quite so hard um then yeah a couple panels of just like everybody kind of going at it willy-nilly i suppose kind of thing like people getting clobbered uh um we get just a little bit of sally who hadn't done much before she takes her glove off in a panel and says you're in for a shock indigo and kind of like zaps her in the chest oh yeah there we go okay um the dark black-haired woman from that same volleyball playing group is just kind of like holding her arms out like like wings and a pose and has some energy around her but no real clue from that as to what she's doing um so like her and pamela both i thought that was like someone flying them but free fall was the yeah, he was kind of my guy, side, and I can't so. imagine. Yeah, so I don't know what's going. Maybe on. it's like an action pose, you know. Let's go, wings out, <laughs> women team, <laughs> DP seven attack, yeah. assemble, something like that. That's pretty great. Um, you know, Landers and Stalagmite are kind of occupied by the two buff guys that they were grappling with in the beginning. Um, uh, Pamela, who has the love powers, like takes the moment to to go after Randy, and she just grabs him. She's like, "Love not war." He's like, "Pam, no." And she's like, got him by the tie, and it's like touching him, um, like she's gonna make him fall in love with her in the middle of a battle. <laughs> Randy has been really off stage this issue. It's yeah, yeah. Um, we get some good clues into some powers you know the the little girl with the rain powers just kind of huddled in the corner with the water coming down on her as you know landers is holding scrap iron over his head like he's gonna just slam him (laughs) um the sponge um she says you know i've got to help dave stop this riot so she's got definitely got a crush on him she's if i can just expel the excess moisture i've absorbed so she's got sweat powers. Uh, but she blasts like a stream of water out of her mouth and nails scuzz. But that also puts her down to, uh, you know, it's like she's lost all of her weight. It's like, so it's all literally all water weight. And she's down to, you know. Yeah, she's just a, like, now she's very shapely. Uh, yeah. Young fit, and, fit blonde uh, woman. <laughs> so. In skin tight outfit. 
Uh, but yeah, everybody's kind of throwing down. That's Dave's, that's, um, Dave's type. So, you know, who knows where that is. That's true. Go. She does look a lot like Stephanie. Um, everybody's just kind of clobbering each other. No person in particular is sort of winning this. Uh, Charlie starts thinking, he's like, oh, this, has got, this is not going to stop until everyone's hurt. If only I could have convinced Lenore. Please, Lenore, you're our only hope. Uh, Lenore apparently has a view over the balcony, and so she reluctantly does come out. Um, I guess there's an off-panel conversation between the, those two. Um, she says, the dear girl wanted me to come out of my room, ready to quell the violence by using my body's tranquilizing luminescence to sap everyone's strength. So she kind of sh- sh- shambles out, quivering in her robe, you know, and it's finally like, ah, there's no choice. She like pulls her robe open, shines her light, <laughs> uh, flashes everyone. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's lines that suggest she's wearing some sort of leotard, but it would also make sense in the story if she was nude. So I'm not quite sure what's going on. There. Right. Old lady naked flashing. <laughs> she says, but if I do not taste the sweet nectar of others, life forces again. <laughs> <laughs> others will be hurt perhaps die um so yeah she zaps everybody and then like comes back pretty quick because so she's basically like does a flip off the balcony like 15 18 feet down landing she's like oh i gotta go work off this energy <laughs> so she just kind of leaves everybody in a heap i just hope that order can be restored when everyone awakens i would hate to have to tranquilize them all again I think <laughs> the end. Wow. So it's a whopper of an issue. A lot of things going on. <laughs> oh my God. I'm exhausted. But is this the end of the race war or is this just the thick of the race war? And like, or is this the climax and things will calm down from here or we're going to be rumbling in every issue from here? We're not sure at this point yet, but maybe Lenore should have been working security. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a, you know, when when the, they pull Lenore out, it, she can take out a lot of um, a lot of people all at once. So it's a, uh, my gosh, there's just so much going on in here. It's like, what to even pin down? Um, it has a way of sort of uh, building on itself and sort of taking what happened last month and okay, here's now here's even more going on. Here's even things getting even worse. Now they're not just beating each other up. Now they're killing each other. Blah blah blah. blah. Right, so, yeah. clinics trashed. Everybody's kind of splintering into groups. Yeah, they're starting to murder. So it's a pretty good uh, recapitulation of the last 30 years of American society. But other than that, I'm not sure it really <laughs> relates to us. But um, yeah, it's it's like I, I, we, we talked about before. It's like a prison story. It's like a uh, Lord of the Flies. It's, you know, everyone's. I guess as as they were talking to Charlie this time, it's a matter of like, what's your primary identity? What are you think of yourself as a woman? Well, go with this group. You think of yourself as black? Go with that group. She's she says she's going to turn twenty in April, which is only a couple months away. So forget the teens; they're too young for you. But yeah, um, uh, so all that's yeah, really good setup and. I guess it's unusual 
in a comic book because usually you have like a team that maybe goes out and fights another team or something, but you don't have everyone stuck together all the time, which is what right. this is. And uh, wow. Um, it's it's really kind of up in the air whether this is just like normal or there's something so like aspect of their paranormality that's kind of um, going to their heads or maybe that's just part of paranor- being paranormal as being like less caring about trashing everything around you. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and they've, yeah. It's like they kind of got a free house, right? Like they're there. They don't have to pay to be there. They get free food and all these amenities and all this nice stuff. And they're kind of taking advantage of it and taking it for granted. And all of a sudden, like the the security is kind of gone. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's hard to imagine society breaking down this quickly. But um, we also don't have superpowers. (laughs) They literally, yeah, were just sort of plucked out of normal life. And you assume, you know, most of the adults had various jobs and were, you know, they weren't in prison in the first place. So they weren't, you know, doing too bad. But um, then they get into this situation and it's, yeah, I don't know. They don't realize how well they have it. They're not in Russia. (laughs) They're not. That's true. That's not not under the CIA's thumb. I, although, I mean, honestly, at this point, it's beginning to to look like, as I, you know, worried about, like, the CIA controlling the things or militarization later. Um, both of those actually look better than this, which is just chaos and mob rule. You know what I mean? So, um, like I said, with SCUS at some point, you know, maybe, maybe joining the army would be the best thing that would happen to you. Try to straighten you up a little um i don't know yeah it's like i yeah kind of i mean these are the adults the kids i mean if you you're under 18 and you suddenly have all this you know unusual power and stuff i mean it's no wonder it's all going to scuzz's head he's like going to uh i don't know what could even um calm him down at this point you know yeah yeah, we haven't even really done like the college dorm analogy too. Like we're just kind um, of the same sort of thing, you know? except in college, usually uh, it's mostly people that are kind of similar age group dealing with each other. We're here, the, yeah, like you said, it's all over the place. So. Yeah, it's a... uh, the uh, I mean, distinct personalities. The art, of course, very like you never are confused by who's who. All that's great. So, yeah, a bunch of new characters, or finally some details on some characters, and little powers explained, and yeah, just lots of little tidbits. Like I say, Charlie just looks better in each issue. I swear Ryan's doing that on purpose. <laughs> Probably. It just seems to be a pretty heavy focus in the last uh, couple issues, too. So, yeah. Yeah. Next, uh, they'll end up at an old folks home and Lenore will be like the crossover one. Come on, join our team, Lenore. We could really use you. (laughs) If she steals the energy of the uh, octogenarians, they might not last very long. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's all the energy you had? That's pathetic. I barely got me out of out of the house with that. <laughs> oh, yeah, the uh, romance uh, Randy um, Charlie thing is still interesting. Randy had more uh, going on than we suspected, I think. Yeah, everybody's after him. But Dave is like amused that he's kind of the confidant for this leader. I don't know. He is like, I guess through like size and being a pretty level-headed dude, he's he does yeah have exude leadership potential. So, or something, or maybe it's just the best one to have on your side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> more stuff with Jeff in Pittsburgh foreshadowing. Again, we always hate to see people killed because that ends possibilities. So, yeah, it's uh, there's an awful lot of clinic paranormals. So, but I mean, you think these are the only like 29 people with you know these powers in this part of the country? I mean, ah, it's just uh, you know. Everyone that you lose is like, oh, there you go. Yeah. And I can't imagine things are looking good for the murderers either. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the other side of this is like when you, you have a bad seed in the, in the group, you know, you, you can't just expel people who are killers. I mean, you can't just throw them out back into the general population. So that's where, yeah, justice comes up. You're like, yeah, well, okay. Not much we can do about this. So here we go. Yeah, as much as we, you know, we sort of give a pass on on Justice's body count here. It's just, you know, there's always like a little moment where you get kind of inside the victim's head at the last minute or something, and it's to make it more touching. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh grade. I don't know. B to B plus. I'm not quite sure where to put it to this week, but um, partly the 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 this has been four issues of this, just kind of getting worse and worse. So I'm not quite uh, sure if I'm, and it doesn't feel like resolved so much as just sort of we've got you more breathing room. So yeah, I don't know. It's finally touched everybody though. I will diverge. I'm 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 gonna give it an A. Oh, okay. I think this is this is one of the more fun, right? I, I feel like DP seven hovers around A minus as its average. It's our it's our A student, but uh, there's just so much good stuff going on. Like it's a, a lot of fun. It's the kind of comic where you can like peek into the panels and find all the little details. If you want to read it slow, there's kind of cool little tidbits there. Uh, or if you're just reading it through, there's a whole bunch of action, right? So action in the beginning, murders in the middle, action in the end. Yeah, this is true. This is what I would want about comics. So I'm happy. I do like what your, your observation of like there, it's a very cinematic way of transitioning through this, where you're always sort of walking along with someone and then suddenly what they go by and you pick up that conversation now. Yeah. Uh, is that the West Wing also? Oh, no. um, I don't know. I watched like two episodes of that. No, I, yeah, it's not my bag. But um, okay, B plus then. I, <laughs> I will uh, 
I will admit that it is doing pretty well and we just are kind of spoiled by how good it is. <laughs> I've warmed your icy cold heart just a little. Yeah, if only Indigo could do it. Plus it had Jack Magna Conti in it, right? Like, how, how could you go wrong? Undercover Jack Magna Conti. No, I'm I'm not a famous football hero. Why do you ask? No, I my name is uh, Scrap Iron. <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, let's see. We'll take a quick break and come back after that to uh, see some sci force, I guess. Right. Well, welcome back. We are going to jump right into Cyforce number 18, which hit the stands, which is cover dated April 88, hit the stands, we believe, December 22nd, 1987. So that's about two weeks after um, the DP-717 we just talked about. Um, we are jumping a couple of weeks into the future here as the other books that came out in the middle in between these two focus on something big. And this one looks like it stays out of the fight for now. So we're just going to go ahead with that and have like a sort of a clear shot in for the next uh, two or yeah. three. It seems new universe chronological. So yeah, in terms of what they talk about, there's no reference to any of these other events, big events going on. So uh we'll uh <laughs> so what happened at the end of cyforce 17 well that was a uh big transition into the like um future of cyforce with um wayne having a birthday sort of off panel um and a couple of characters imprint and troublemaker that were sent we think by medusa web or medusa network to sort of um aggravate the 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 psi force and test them out and sort of see what their powers are and how capable they are um they the kids did okay against them um but uh without their knowledge going on uh, what was going on back at the siberian project where stasi had started out is that it had gone taken a bad turn it has uh become over um, it's sort of the overshadow of uh, the Siberian project is this character Rodstvau, Rodstvo, um, that uh, was a major power, like just within himself, like Starbrand level um, energy power and possibly insane, but uh, a pretty uh, bad dude who they... Um, who decided he was going to come to the U.S. and fight Cyforce. So after the um, confrontation with Troublemaker and Imprint, Cyforce had gone back to Sanctuary, and then outside of Sanctuary, you saw this Rudstvo um, appear and blow it up. 
So that's where we left off at 17. Sanctuary. The most important thing to remember, Wayne had a birthday. Well, that's the first thing I'll always remember. <laughs> you, remember well, you remember Sanctuary blowing up? No. When did that happen? Uh, you know, 80, late 87. Doesn't ring a bell. It's right around your 18th birthday. Oh, right. Right. Okay. Yeah. I got a uh, cross earring from Kathy Ling. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Anyway, jumping on back to 18. We've got a nice cover with, uh, yeah, our boy Wayne. He is being hit by behind from behind in a uh, some sort of a blast. It's a little like when Havoc is like shouting at someone and blasting them um, by a uh, blonde man in uh, I don't know it's somewhere between a costume and a normal clothes, but um, tight white pants and Captain America boots. <laughs> the shirt and boots are pink, and the pants are white, which is like okay. Well, it's. It, it pops on the cover, so that's what you want. Wayne is in uh, fairly normal um, kind of parachute pants, I'm guessing. They're kind of ripped up. Um, and he's got a cast on one arm. And there's a, a box that says, Caught in the Medusa Web. And we've still got the No Universe logo, although it kind of fades into this the color of the background. And Kathy Ling is in the box in uh, in the corner there with the issue number, although sadly she does not appear in this issue. We all like Kathy, right? Yeah, at least we got tiny corner box, Kathy. I'll take what I can get. We pop inside and we have a splash page, Alone in a Crowd. And the creative team is, again, Fabian Nicieza, writer, Ron Lim, penciler, Romeo Tengal, inker. And uh, yeah, carrying on from the last couple of issues, they've been uh, really ramping up the speed on this book. So a lot is going on uh, and it's getting even and it continues. So what we're looking at is the wreckage of Sanctuary and this character, Andrew Chaser, the reporter who popped up last issue, um, who was like going to check out the proud hawk file and go looking for the cyforce kids he uh is now narration boxing to himself it's december 12th san francisco 8 32 p.m one week ago the russians discovered oil in siberia no one knows how they're doing it i kind of wondered if there was something about that that we should like you know if that was like a siberian project thing that, like it's paranormal produces oil or something I don't know. and then he says three days ago that star brand sissy and the tights saved a busload of kids in a flood they're calling him a hero now media darlings can do no wrong interesting what's so he, he got is, against star brand jeez i don't know you like the one the one paranormal gets out there and makes a buffoon of himself with gliding about in these tights um yesterday i found out that two weeks of very dangerous investigative reporting were a waste of time the sanctuary house here in the city blew up 17 people dead three in critical condition very little left of the bodies to provide positive id ids the super kids are gone man uh-oh so yeah sanctuary uh which we always uh say is 
multi-dimensional and <laughs> exists through all space and time uh is just a pile of wreckage there um we, mm -hmm. there's a narration box in the corner special thanks to colleen dyke and the good folks at golden age collectibles did you check that out um briefly just a minute ago that's like the comic store is kind of like the lower area of pike's peak in seattle i've actually been in there but i don't know why they're thanking them the webpage said that they they're one of the oldest or maybe the oldest um comic book store in so they they've been there for ages and I can only assume they were like a contact for like Seattle info or something. Yeah, I guess. Although there's not a lot, a lot of, uh, I don't know, specific stuff there, but um, I don't know. Friend, some uh, call out to, to friends of the uh, production. So uh, we turn the page and the guy introduces himself again. My, the byline is Andrew Chaser. I'm a freelance journalist. No, not the bad kind we have today. Just, you know, an investigative journalist like they used to have. Hmm. Um, he, they, like he would work for Buzzfeed. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Axios ten, top 10 reasons why paranormals are racist. You know, okay. Good, good going guys. Um, he talks about finding the proud hawk file and looking for runaway paranormal children and is like, this, this is, a, this will be a great story, but then they blew up and he doesn't know what to do now. Uh, he runs into a police officer who is a, an attractive red HUD and he sort of think boxes to himself that he, uh, went out with her before or something guy gets around, I guess is what the point was of that. Um, and he's as he's poking through the uh, rubble of sanctuary, uh, suddenly something pops up out of the ground. I'm too young for a heart attack. What the? Wait, you're Jessup, right? Tyrone Jessup. And it's the ghost form of Tyrone. Yeah, yeah so what's it to you? <laughs> he's not just buried down there like he was in that uh, mining accident a few issues ago. Um. He's like, uh, my name's Chaser. You can call me Scoop. I'm a reporter. I know all about you and your friends. I want to help. I want to know what happened to you. Heard it all before, Scoop. Anyway. <laughs> this guy's kind of lame. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, he doesn't seem to be a threat. So, okay, no, let's see. Trying what a little hard, let's... maybe, with his nickname recorder yeah. and stuff. <laughs> Is, uh, he get he goes to St. Francis Hospital and uh, he's uh, sort of flirts with the nurse and he's left alone in the room of ice in the ICU room with um, Tyrone's body. Uh, Tyrone's had better days. And they talked about a little about his, uh, his being a varsity sports kid. Doctors say he has third-degree burns over 70% of his body. The rest isn't much better. Oh, that'll kill you, man. They could, yeah. That'll kill you. I'll see. Apparently seems to have been burned into a white man. <laughs> I, You know... Honestly, I don't know what the third-degree burns would look like other than, like, raised pustules or something, though. So, Yeah, I think it would be, like, too red to, like, um, if you're just uh, burned all over. I... I 
I don't know what they, there's um, contusions all around, but it does, and he's bald, but it doesn't look like a you know, uh, what was it, um, Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight or whatever. Right, he's not all bandaged up. Yeah. So they say they can't graft yet. They can't shake him out of his coma. All they can do is get the IV going and pray. And uh, Tyrone's ghost is there saying, you know, he's been watching them, but he doesn't want to go back into his body because it hurts so much. So he's stuck outside in his astral form for a while. Um, Andrew Chaser pulls out a tape recorder and says that he wants you to listen to these. Uh, He interviewed a few of the folks up at Foundations about the kids. You'll want to hear this. But we switch over to December 15th, Seattle, Washington. Let me go back a second, though. So this was December 12th, it said. Um, and after the the sanctuary blowing up, you said, you know, maybe this was, you know, the inside that we saw people um, talking after their mission. And then when we saw the outside of sanctuary and Rodsfo, um, and we didn't know that that was exactly at the same time. Right. You know? So you said that was their out. Perhaps you are right. Because it doesn't say exactly when uh, Sanctuary blew up, but it says December 12th now. And then, um, and last issue, that was November 25th. Oh, okay. Wow. So there is some time in there that we're not sure. Yeah. So what happened? So, so don't be like too um, proud of yourself for sussing that out. Good job. <laughs> Yeah, you brought it up. Yeah, the the uh, it's a I don't know. It's a little uh, um, gimmick that he keeps doing is pushing, you know, giving specific dates on on most of the scenes when they transition. So um, we'll see how this works out. So December fifteenth, we're in Seattle, Washington, and Lindsay. I got to tell you, this room is pretty frugly. Uh, no offense or nothing. I didn't know what that means now. Freaking ugly. Ah, okay. Yeah, there you go. Oh, man. She says, we we see a, um, probably from Wayne's point of view, a young, attractive woman, blonde hair, kind of uh, perky looking. And she's saying that her stepfather runs a mean hotel, but his the slug's sense of style went out with Miami Vice. And uh, she is giving him a guitar from the Plasmatics, who had stayed there in 83. And she says her step slug had them thrown out and they left a lot of stuff. So shout out to uh, currently popular punk band, the Plasmatics. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure they were ever popular, popular, but they existed. And uh, she hands him a guitar. We see that he is uh, has a cast on one arm, which uh, this Lindsay seems to have signed. Lindsay Falman. Don't believe we've seen her before. And a couple other signatures are Irene the Maid and the Bellhops. So who <laughs> had a hotel, I guess. That's another band, Irene the Maid and the Bellhops. <laughs> Even less popular than the Plasmatics, but. Anyway, Lindsay is uh, plugs him into an amp, and he strikes a pose and hits a chord. Here goes! It's very 
Very cool. I remember he's been playing a guitar ever since Fabian Nicias took over as writer. So um, she's happy. Wait, that was great. Clap, clap, clap. And um, unfortunately, her stepfather, apparently, Mr. Maris, pops in and, uh, you know, gives Wayne a hard time and drags off Lindsay. And he's uh, the owner of the hotel, he says, but uh, it's kind of a creep and Wayne's not too happy. But Wayne has been pushing him to um, think that he's giving him the money for the hotel because he doesn't have any money, but he needs a place to stay, obviously. Yeah, he like makes his mind think a $1 bill is 100 or something. <laughs> yeah. And he says he's been there for six days, so we don't know where is it, how this time gap has uh, he's been doing. Perhaps the cast was when from the sanctuary explosion or perhaps not he doesn't really say and uh he says he'd like to push the hotel daughter owner into leaving his stepdaughter alone but he can't he won't he promised he'd never push anyone out of anger again or judge them because that'll get you booted right out of the uh justice warriors hmm. and he promised himself he promised his god so this uh, church that we saw Wayne in last time, uh, we're, we're meant to think is like a, a serious commitment he's taken to uh, not just randomly push people out of anger. When he needs money, sure, but not out of anger. Anyway, we go to, we're downstairs in the lobby now, and Wayne walks through the lobby, and we see he wa- him walking past an albino ghost. <laughs> it was imprint that we saw last time. Imprint is somehow invisible to people when he, when they walk by him, um, some sort of paranormality, and uh, Wayne doesn't pick up on him psychically either. They, and we see some narration boxes, and there's a van outside of the hotel with two more characters that are sort of observing this uh, scene as well. That imprint is kind of reporting to. So inside this van, we have um, ah, one with a German accent <laughs> and one kind of a slob guy. Um, so let's see the German ones. Um, he, is, he is signaling us now. The boy has gone upstairs. He is beyond imprint's recording abilities. Now how about your wife backfire? Ah, forget it, Thunderhead. Donnerkopf, if you please. Yeah, well, these code names are all pretty stupid anyway, huh? I mean, my name is George, for crying out loud. Backfire my butt. <laughs> Cute. Yes, but I prefer my, how you say it, privately? Privacy. Yes, for my family, for me. Yeah, well, what are you in the web that for, then? The money. Man, is that too? Okay. Um... They, they continue, and these screens that they're looking at um, are kind of walking down the street, looking at a pretty girl, and then uh, going out. They're outside the van, so it's like a live feed from Imprint. And as he walks back to their van to meet them, the screens all come converge back at the van that they're standing in now. So, uh, backfire. This kind of sleazy guy is uh, dark hair with glasses. Uh, Donakov has light orange, blonde hair. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Backfire calls someone, he says, Babel, which I think we heard last time uh, was someone in the that Troublemaker had mentioned. Maybe their boss, even? Perhaps their boss. Um, Backfire is like reporting to them. Yeah, the Mark's still hanging around. He seems stuck on the daughter of the hotel. Her name is Falman, uh, the, the hotel owner. Her name is Falman Lindsay. Yeah, Maris is her stepfather. So much information they just like keep cramming into these things. He's a real jackass. She's kind of cute. Yeah, we're listening. Fine, we'll proceed. Just remind Electronique about remember what happened in Cairo. Anyway, good. Wayne's as good as Wayne Tucker's as good as bagged. We flash back to Golden Gate Park where Andrew Chaser is meeting with Wayne or with. Tyrone. Tyrone, yeah. Ah, oh, he's like, ah, CIA, paranormals, exploiting houses, ghost boys. Ah, Medusa Web. I'm in hip deep, hip deep now. How do I tell him? Tyrone is playing ghost basketball. Um, and Chaser is like, ah, he's been through a rough time, and it's just gonna get worse. So uh, he's like, I got some good news and bad news. Seems like some of your friends may have survived. That's great. Who? And the bad news is the government hired an international group of bounty hunters to bring in whoever it is. Dead or alive. What? (laughs) Where are they? Seattle. And we see uh, Tyrone blazing out of there. So that was the 16th, and now the next thing is Seattle, December 18th. Um, everyone's going at the speed of light, right? I shouldn't take two days to get this. Okay. Yes. Picky, picky, picky. So we're back in the hotel, and Wayne is practicing his guitar in his room, but the owner slash stepfather guy pops in with a guard, and... Uh, He's like, I've received several complaints about the noise. And Wayne is like, you're full of it. I'm playing it cold. I don't even have an amp. And uh, I guess the guy decided to kick Wayne out of the hotel one one way or another. Um, He's like, nevertheless, you uh," and and they can't talk. And suddenly we see this sparking from a outlet behind Wayne. A a panel before has now morphed into a full grown woman is like live wire i guess yeah yeah. so um she's in a red jumpsuit her skin is orange and her where hair would be is yellow so very bold looking and she's talking with a french accent i'm sure they they are trying monsieur tucker but perhaps they are simply scared stiff no what the can you blame them my name is electronique wayne wine <laughs> Let me show you why. So she uh, blasts the owner and the guard with this electricity and sort of throw them at the wall. Except the guard is headed into the window, goes right outside. And this is where, like I was saying, the DP7 had the guy falling. We have a second panel where it's just a guy falling from a great height and on the ground. This time it's uh, Donnerkopf and Backfire outside um, from across the street or something, uh, looking at this and being like, oh, here we go again. 
Um, Wayne had said uh, when she was attacking him that he can't lock onto her mind, which is why he did not do that. So, um, Backfire and Donnerkopf. Do you like Donnerkopf or Thunderhead more? I say Thunderhead. Oh, okay. I mean, it's the same Back- thing, but yeah, as uh, so Donner and Blitz and Thunder and Lightning, yeah, right? I'm getting real tired of cleaning up her messes every mission. Also, I'm only two weeks away from retirement. No, he's he's a young guy. Um, that's backfire and Thunderhead running towards uh the building where the the hotel where the fight's going on. They go to uh take the elevator. What floor are they on? Sieben, which I believe means seven. Seven, correct. Yeah, high school awesome. German. Awesome. Uh, they, the elevator opens and Wayne is like, uh, barrels out at him. Get out of the way. And, uh, electronique, um, blows up the, ho- the elevator maybe. Um, <laughs> she's messy. So Wayne notices that, um, there's some sort of electronic, um, device that helps Thunderhead talk or use his power or control his power. Um, so he sees that and he's like, oh, how many of them are there? And he runs off in the other direction. Wait, Herr Talker, stop! <laughs> and this is basically like the cover where you've got a, um, a sort of, you know, sign, uh, some sort of symbols of power going from him towards Wayne. And uh, um, Narration Box helpfully says, a mechanical implant enables Donokov to project his voice in controlled sonic bursts. This was a whisper. Oh, geez. So he's like Black Bolt, I guess? Yeah. But he can go. actually talk normally? But yeah, keep, the machine keeps him under control somehow. Uh, Electronique is there now. And um, they, they're like, so Wayne is down, but he's like, climb your mother's. Uh, he's not going to go without a fight. And suddenly a car crashes through the wall. What? It's like an action movie. <laughs> this is totally like an action movie. Um, and uh, yeah, Backfire is saying it only happens on television. And Wayne is saying, I think I love you, Falman. It was Lindsay Falman, the character he was talking to earlier. He thinks to himself, I can't seem to push Electronique, so sick her loudmouth. And so he pushes Thunderhead to shout at Electronique, which nice. seems to work okay, actually. And Backfire is on the ground, just sort of suffering. Uh, Electronique... I'm worried that Wayne's powers were going to be blocked from everybody, right? Like, like, do they all have some sort of defense against him? That would kind of stink. Yeah, yeah. Swain doesn't have like physical powers, but the mental powers are pretty pretty strong. Is assuming you can uh, get inside people's heads. Um, oh, Electronics calls uh, calls uh, tells uh, Thunderhead to stop and that he's an idiot. And the car with Wayne and Lindsay takes off. Uh, he says, "What? Well, now what? We get out of here. We? How else are you going to find your way around Seattle?" Good point. Now let me know why you're doing this. Meanwhile, back behind them, we have um, Backfire's t- 
speaking. J'étais toi, c'est jeune, béafin, que avoir peu de tu. Get out of here before the cops see her. See you. And uh, sorry for the pronunciation. What apparently it means is I kill you if I don't be so that I'm afraid of you. She tells him your French is as pathetic as your fighting skills. And He's trying to say, like, if, if I wasn't terrified of you, I'd, I'd kill you. I think so, yeah. Um, she disappears inside the outlet again. Um, he sees some cops and tells them, it's okay, I'm with the government. Not very suspicious at all, yes. <laughs> uh, he holds some sort of badge up to them, says his name's McFeeders which I don't know if is his real name or not. I put it down as his name, but mm -hmm. okay. Um, and they tell the cops that uh, whoever did this uh, took off in this car that you know this girl was driving, and uh, the, he and Thunderhead take off in, in their van. Or no, another car. Anyway, uh, we cut over to Wayne and Lindsay driving along, and... Um, do you know what they what what I am? Why are those people were after after me? She says they were paranormals like Starbrand. Figure you're probably one too. And what? So they're interrupted by yes, more electronique. Uh, it's like there's a Zax and their car screeches to a halt, and she is standing there in front of them. I believe your battery is dead. Care for me to jump it? Ha ha ha. And behind her is the Space Needle, just in case you were unclear what Seattle looks like. <laughs> I like that she's got like the Arnold Schwarzenegger one-liners. <laughs> Wayne's like, we're history. And uh, uh, Electronic continues, get out or I will kill you in the car. It would be a very embarrassing way to go. I assure you. Ooh. Arg schmoozavaktum. <laughs> and we Shibuma see that <laughs> that's something and we see that yeah tyrone has like blown right through her and it's disrupted her so much that there's just no more elect electronique it looks like he absorbed her hmm i uh i thought like we had the like coming from behind and then in front and so maybe hmm I wonder if she's dead. <laughs> That's it's a question at the end because much like Blind Spot in DP seven, she's just kind of disappeared. This is the last we see of her. Sorry, Dave. Spoilers. Spoiler there, but oh, it's page fifteen. Yeah, okay. Just hang on. Anyway, Jessup, Ty, you're alive. So they he Wayne hasn't seen Tyrone since the sanctuary blow up. He says, uh this is uh, he introduces her Lindsay to Tyrone, and she's like, "Well, they're coming out of the woodwork now." Suddenly, there's some cop cars they're surrounded by, and the um, backfire and Thunderhead are standing there, sort of giving the cops orders. So, um, backfire heads towards them with a gun in his hand. Uh, Tyrone yells, "No!" And this is, I'm not 100% sure what's going on there. He says, what happened? How was I able to get my voice that loud? It's like the um, 
there's an explosion in of the car or something. Yeah, I don't know. Like, did he steal Thunderhead's powers? Is it something that he can just do? Yeah, it seemed like more like Thunderhead's power. Yeah, and that like he hasn't attacked him yet. But um, so the backfire says they call me backfire for nothing, boy. You try to hurt me, it backfires. Okay. Yeah, part's a little confusing. Yeah, I'm not. It's like, yeah. So, uh, Backfire holds uh, this gun on Lindsay, and she rolls her eyes back, and can suddenly we have several panels of a gun, and uh, Backfire buying it, and then shooting himself in the foot, and uh, you actually see blood all over the place from that. And then him saying blanks, blanks from now on blanks. And then so Lindsay shouts out blanks. He shot himself in the foot once. He only got blanks in the gun. Ah, this just stinks. So Wayne just hauls off and slugs him or in the nose. And as he crumples to the ground, Tyrone leads the way and Wayne and Lindsay take off. Uh, Tyrone goes through a half a dozen cops and sort of um, like tears their guns out of their hands. And then he goes through their cars and screws them up. Wayne is like, what vitamins have you been taking? <laughs> and so Thunderhead thinks to himself, something like that, which apparently means no further, my last chance. Hmm. I'm using machine learning all the time here, so I should be getting better with these. But so he shouts "Halt!" and bowls over um, Wayne and Lindsay. But Tyrone comes back and goes through him, which is what I, yeah, th- again, this sort of pass through your chest thing he does. Boss East, Boss S. And uh, that seems to blow up the mechanical implant he has. So that blows up. Kind of looks like Tyrone had kind of retained some of that electric charge. And then when he passes through Thunderhead, it kind of electrocutes him a little bit and then destroys his device. That's my best guess there. Also makes sense because you do have the electronic lightning icon sort of going around where he goes inside him so he also i guess had that electronic disrupting kind of sort of power too so tyrone can do whatever he wants apparently so much for just waving and trying to scare guys boo boo (laughs) yeah so uh wayne and Lindsay appropriate a cop car and uh they head out uh, Lindsay is concerned about the cops behind them but Wayne just puts them to sleep and we we have Wayne inside saying uh, telling Tyrone that uh, go figure Casper she's a paranormal too they're coming out of the woodwork hmm. so they don't know um, he says Lindsay are you sure you want to be stuck with us I mean these clowns are probably just the start Jesus says, I don't really have anywhere else to go, and uh, I don't like my stepfather or really trust him very much, so I'd rather uh, stick with you. I, so why are you still holding your hand? 
I think I broke it punching out backfire. She'll feel safer with me. And where are we going anyway? She says, Pier 69, the Princess Marguerite. We're taking the ferry to Victoria. Let's see those clowns try to follow us into Canada. <laughs> I like how she says this as if it's like jumping the Berlin Wall or something, you know. Well, Alpha Flight will be there to fight them <laughs> off or something. So. Oh, man. Once you get on the mean streets of Canada, there's no way these government-hired stooge killers will want to follow you. That would be wrong. Anyway, so we flash back to the van where uh, all the Medusa web guys have gathered up again. Um, so backfire has broken my his nose, he says, and he keeps, so he's talking in this um, weird voice. Yeah, still at the twelve for quite out loud. Um, they've heard that they're going to Canada. And they're surprised that the girl was also a paranormal. Um, so Backfire seems to be uh, describing what happened. That he says that uh, Electronic disappeared and Dunderhead blew up. So they're not quite sh sure if that means that one or both are dead or something. Yeah. No, no. It's it says one is missing, presumed dead, another severely injured. So I'm guessing Electronique was missing, presumed dead, and Thunderhead is severely injured. Yeah, that would make so sense. He's not missing. So anyway, so we see the uh, person at the other end he was talking to, um, which is, I guess, Babel, who is a sort of average looking guy with a beard in a suit. Like all the Marvel guys in the profiles. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, he's talking to Troublemaker, and uh, then we see, well, they screwed up, so now it's up to the rest of us to find the other children. And we see some silhouettes behind him with another five characters, presumably paranormals, who are going after maybe the other two Psy Forces, or maybe these guys. I don't know. Wow. So it's Is that those... Youngblood? <laughs> Wildcats? <laughs> like, what am I looking at here? <laughs> Bad Rock, uh, Shaft, uh, Vogue. Um, yeah, the next Very. generation. It says Medusa Web Report, Assignment 17, Entry 102, Los Angeles. Our first attempt to recruit or terminate the children known as Cyforce has failed. We must succeed in the second phase. The future of this planet depends on the assimilation of those children in the plans of the web. Next issue, Showdown in San Diego. Hmm. Oh my god! I'm, I'm going to go light. Future does not depend on stopping the infinitely powerful, scary Russian guy. <laughs> I'm going to go lie down for a while before we continue this. But <laughs> oh my goodness, so much going on with these. Um. So yeah, as per his interview, um, Nicieza has a ton of new characters coming out. Um, pro and anti sci force. So Lindsay Falman and just seems to like be able to see back into your history, which is yeah, like not a, great for not combat. a mind reader, but a memory reader or something. So not great for combat, but maybe something interesting coming from there later. 
Uh, Tyrone is stuck in his astral form for now. Can only hope that he finds Stasi at some point because it's going to need a little bit more healing than medical science of 1987 is going to be able to right, yeah. That is some serious stuff there. Uh, Wayne just has a broken arm, maybe, we'll assume. And we don't know the status of the other three characters, Thomas, Stasi, and Kathy. Yeah, Wayne also seems to have moved on pretty quick. Yeah, like with if Cyhawk Cyhawk isn't dragging him back, he is like out of there. <laughs> I can only uh, assume that like um, they got split up, and he was just like, "I better go as far and fast as I can." Um, yeah, what is Cyhawk he... thinking anyway? Like, wasn't this whole thing to like keep them together to keep them safe? And, like, they just give up. He's like, "I can't do this anymore." Let me know if you need me. Touch the totem thing, or I guess no, you don't really need that. <laughs> the medallion, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, if like, I mean, we're pretty sure there's more team members alive, and it's not just Wayne. So, I mean, you can imagine if he was the old survivor that like Cyhawk wouldn't care what he did or where he went, but. Um, he's pretty happy to see Tyrone, so it's not like he was, you know, oh, another, at last, an excuse to get out of here and avoid these clowns. So, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. um, I mean, it's like a spy novel where you've gotten your, some, been attacked, and so you, like, go to ground, try to hit your safe house, and just sort of hide out and hope things blow over. Plays a guitar a little... So we've got uh, the reporter sort of in the mix. We got this whole. We say they say that the Medusa web is you know trying to recruit or capture them, but it also says that they're hired by the government. So not quite sure what all the background is going on there. Um, Sounds like they kind of have their own agenda. Yeah, it sounded like. Yeah, there's more going on than meets the eye with with them. So they've got at least one more team. Um, Again, killing people, not cool, unless you're justice. So um, this is... I guess Tyrone has a kill count now. Oh, man, yeah. Well, he didn't mean to kill anyone. Electronique, uh, I don't know. Since she killed someone, I can't feel too bad if she's dust. So I don't know. It'd be kind of sad to lose the fun, (laughs) psychotic... French electric lady. Live wire is like, yeah, that's a good like visual and you know in fun power set. So I don't know. Um let's see. So what are your thoughts? Uh still no skipper. Where are you at, Skip? <laughs> like when you invent 50 new characters you don't have to get rid of all the old characters too i mean come on i don't know maybe skipper is behind the medusa web that'd be something (laughs) skipper your tower mr babel Um, yeah, but it certainly kicked it into gear. I mean, we're we. I feel like we're a long ways away from those like 
one and done sort of single story issues uh, where one of the kids runs into the trouble and everybody else has to stay stassi right usually um as far as things go so it's kind of cool that we've got like an ongoing story uh yeah we've got man, quite a lot of action in this one a lot of new characters you know maybe too many new characters kind of zipping in but um yeah it ends up going going pretty smoothly and going pretty well uh definitely like you know we had hints that they were going to do something with tyrone like oh my gosh he may be the strongest paranormal of all um which feels a little off from his original character but you know it's definitely mysterious at this point like but he does seem to be able to do anything Uh, i i don't know quite what to think about this tyrone power yet but um it's um I think sort of they're also kind of limiting him by sticking, you know, with his uh, being in the burn unit. So he's, you know, without his real body, he's going to feel very weird just being this like ghost all the time. Yeah. His um, powers are growing exponentially as well. um, Yeah, just the like sort of it has a sort of relentless energy now that it didn't have before. It was much more of a hangout kind of a comic where you, yeah, you'd have a issue pop up with one or two of the teens and they'd resolve it by the end and kind of get back to their quiet um, time in sanctuary where after the first few issues, they stopped trying to kill them there. So yeah, (laughs) Does that mean um, Cool is dead? Like the Cool and Stig. I, I mean, Colby. I feel like they got kicked out. Otherwise, we would have seen them. I think they probably got sent back in. So, yeah, they were at least as much bad news as the Psy Force. So, you know, <laughs> um, I'm so yeah. No word on Colby. Um, we never. It's honestly a bit. I mean, I know it's a decent, you know, sized cast already. But if you'd had a few of the normals at Sanctuary that you kind of got to know, that would have like hit a little bit harder, you know? But, right. Yeah. But they're really, it just seemed like they were just making up Sanctuary kids. So it was like Colby Shaw and like her assistant who only was in one issue ever. And, you know, a bunch of random kids that I, I suppose you could have kids coming and going as far as that goes. But. Uh, but yeah, it was a kind of an interesting issue. It's definitely action-packed. It's got interesting direction. Um, seems a little wacky that you can blow up a building the way they did and still have so many people not dead. Um, but I'm, I'm presuming we'll get that explanation at some point of like, how did Wayne survive? And, you know, wasn't he right with Kathy or something at the time too? Or yeah. He, he he had like doubled over and was screaming or something and so that's why we thought it had something to do with Rodstvo outside but Tyrone and he were in the same room yeah so yeah that's where honestly the, the the worst part of the issue is probably like broken nose backfire talking because like his, his voice is all distorted and like trying to figure out what he's saying <laughs> Yeah, I I didn't uh, get too 
too far into that. I didn't want to drag it out. It gets a bit to be a bit of a, a slog, but um, Dunderhead. Sense that he's called him that on purpose, but mm. imprint still doesn't talk. He's mute or something. I mean, yeah, and gets wider every issue. Uh, where is he when the race war goes? I don't know, man. It's, <laughs> it's the whitest of them all. <laughs> we aspire to your whiteness. Um, I don't know. Let me think. I'll also give this a B plus. I don't know. It felt a little thinner or faster than dp7 but um they're both sort of like yeah tuning into an action movie that's like halfway over like you're like oh let me i'll watch the rest of this and you're just like things are just flying by yeah yeah i think i would agree on that one like somewhere b b plus i would lean towards b plus because it's kind of a lot of fun so it feels yeah. like it feels like a whole nother book, but like yeah, the characters I've... haven't been skewed weird. Like maybe there's some differences with Tyrone's power, but it, it still feels like the same characters. No major reboot of like personalities or anything like that. But I will say, um, I don't. I mean, Lindsay seems fine. She's a little, um, you know like i say she's not like help in combat probably but um i'm a little gonna be a little disappointed if we don't have like a wayne kathy pair off because i thought that was over that was shadowed i don't know a long time ago they would be sort of always sort of uh at each other's throat in a kind of a potentially you know set up way and uh, then, like, the Thomas Stassi pairing sort of overshadowed that, certainly, last issue. Um, so if we go with Wayne and Lindsay, I'll just kind of, like, oh, man, I was kind of uh, wanting to see a, a Wayne-Kathy uh, ship here. But uh, There's still time. There's still time. Yeah, and I guess they kind of faked this Wayne out Lane? a little bit with the story. Like, we had a couple of issues where they were super competent right like they were kicking ass like breaking out of that uh i forget the name of the not the clinic but that's what i want to call Foundation. the institute the clinic the institute um you know kind of being very effective and then last issue they get beat up and blown up and this issue they're all scattered to the wind and in a lot more trouble so oh yeah trouble is like piling up around them so quickly it's amazing indeed uh so i wanted to like uh take another quick look at the promos and um universe news from uh month 17 so the dp7 we covered this time in the last in the issues we covered last uh podcast so first off there was the uh promo one of these paranormals is going to kill a million people. And there's, you know, one from each book, Starbrand, DP7, Cyforce, and Justice. And you only see like the antibody and Stasi. So I'd kind of focused on that in the discussion last week. But um, 
it, I think you had brought up a little bit more imagination of like, you know, would any of the DP7s or Cyforce be able to kill a million people or want to? I don't know. Lenore streaking in a football game for long enough <laughs> and they're all dead. <laughs> I I I gotta admit, after the end of this uh, DP seven, yeah, you just have to get Lenore like like out in space or something so she can illuminate the world. <laughs> I, I don't know. Orbiting. <laughs> yeah, she would become godlike as she absorbed all the essences of the planet, at least like within her visual range. I don't know. Um. Dave, of course, can't only kill what's in it within his reach. Um, I still, yeah, antibody. You you could sort of imagine some weird thing going wrong where that's like a, you know, sprite from another dimension that now just overwrites our own. Um, Stephanie, I don't know if like healing could really do anything. Yeah. Mm. The same problem we had with Stasi. Um, oh, well, Scuzz, Scuzz would do his best to kill. <laughs> I can imagine him going Nova at some point, but how much you could do with that is really right. questionable. Does he just burn himself down into the center of the earth or something? <laughs> uh, let's see, Charlie. I doubt. I doubt if she could do much. Um, very limited in some of these. Uh, anything else? Let's see. Cyforce. Yeah, there's um, Wayne just kind of gets lost in a crowd. We saw like an issue or two of that. Remember? So like you can't just like push a crowd of people to do stuff. Right. Um, oh yeah, he can certainly be deadly, but. He'll have to take a nap. <laughs> like he's not invincible as far as that goes. Apparently, they're building it up so that Ty Tyrone would be the powerhouse or something. So, but that's still kind of new. Yeah, I can't quite get a grasp on how he would be able to do that. Um, Thomas Thomas needs to like have direct contact to drain you, so that would be unlikely to be a, like a mass effect thing either. Right, and we don't even know if he's can like does it just stop at some point or like if he hangs on forever is it fatal don't know like rogue or whatever right. um but yeah i think crawley you'd mentioned yeah that's a good if, if he a million's a lot of people though so even michael crawley like blowing up a you know tnt nitroglycerin plant is not going to accomplish it you know it's true okay well, if he when once he grows up, maybe his powers will increase. I don't know. Let's can, we can only hope these half the planet in danger. <laughs> um, I don't know it. It at at the time, I mean, I I would have looked at this and thought like only one of these characters has that kind of power. But yeah, okay, as we sort of chew it over, there's two or three that do have mass effect powers that could be stunning to the world, but Oh, you know what? I got, I figured it out. So like, you know, oh, DP seven, uh, page 19 is the person 
who could kill a million people in the new universe. Squirm? John Byrne. Ah. He's a real character in Star <laughs> in the in the in the comic. You're right. Burns he was in the comic. Son of a gun. He was hiding in plain sight the whole time. Yeah, he's writing it. Yeah. He, I think yeah, that was a fake out. He's the killer. Some would say ruiner. <laughs> Is the killer. Um so yeah, Universe News profile on John Byrne. So his uh Marvel Freelance credits present just the star brand. So yeah, he had not picked up these other West Coast Avengers and She-Hulk and a couple other things he came back on, which is interesting. He says his I like that his pro- unfulfilled ambition in the comics field is leaving. Uh, which he still has pretty much not quite accomplished. Ah, did I? There was. I saw someone like say something about him the other day that I thought was just perfect. I, I can't remember. I like. I, I did not stick it in a cloud drive I can access or something, but it was like. Something they were reading in like from the 90s by him, like sounded like tired and old and wished he would left comics already. So no. I was like, <laughs> that was like only like two years after this. So yeah, it's like mm, maybe you're onto something there. Burn sad. Favorite is work of which he was most proud is Superman number nine, which I was okay. Not sure the first one I would have thought of, but the um says he has a novel he wrote. Fear book. Mm, don't even remember that at all. No. So, um his pet peeves include Chris Claremont, mutants, and editors over six foot six. Hmm. Man, hmm. you were just and then a lot of people are like jokey in these, but I, I think he's serious there. <laughs> it's the people he doesn't like. I guess he's a. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know sometimes what to what to. Okay, here it is. Uh, Burn was only forty two when this came out, but it feels like it was made by a much older man who hated comics and wished he had never entered the industry. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> So I don't know. Yeah, sometimes he he he's a, he's a hard character to kind of get a hold of. Um, but uh, generally likes movies, likes actors, influences various artists: Kirby, Ditko, Lee. Um, greatest in, unfilled ambition is leaving. That's classic. The worst part of my job is get a life's. This is like the thing of like people think he really hates fans or maybe that was a phase he went through at the time or something. He would give people a hard time and they came up to him at conventions and stuff like that. Mm. It's legendary. Conventions that he is going to on purpose. Where he's like at a table and like they bring him up things to sign and he's like uh, I don't, I'm not going to sign that. I hate that or something i don't know what it was um he, he has definitely had his ups and downs of relations with his fans 
a few years ago i would have said his like message board was like digging himself into a hole but it is continued i believe he's been posting this um his his own version of the x-men there all this time and uh i don't know hopefully he's worked through some of this yeah i think marvel is actually publishing that now Ooh, that would be nice um we come to the end of that any other thoughts of universe news i don't think so this is still this kind of a hey we need letters page titles Oh right, so yeah, they we thought, haven't gotten uh, them yet. Another contest, uh, except DP Seven because you already got Paranormal, and yeah, they're like, you know, they sell out the fundamental premise of the new universe right there. <laughs> no letter column names. That was a promise you made to us, right. the reader. Most important part. Stabbed in the back. Thanks, Howard Mackey. Oh, I don't know. I just don't know. It's like we go into this thinking it'll be great, and then they just give names to the letters columns. And I'm just like, why did I even bother? <laughs> so that is it for this week's episode. Next time we change things up again, covering the new universe with next week's title, Star Brand number 12. And this is where things get really crazy really crazy indeed <laughs> uh yeah star brand number 12 ken connell has a wild rematch with the mysterious old man what <laughs> and the true nature of the white event is revealed what what when ken tries to give up the star brand what <laughs> well we can't tell you what happens but we can say this the new universe will never be the same written and penciled by john byrne inked by tom palmer yeah, we're jumping <laughs> into the new, new universe. Oh, my goodness. So, with is uh, you can still find us at our website, kickersinc.com. You can email us with your choices for uh, letter, page, column, titles, I guess, at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. This has been the voice of the new universe and we will see you back at the spinner rack don't throw away the duck it's your universe idiot nuke me with the new (laughs) oh we're gonna get nuked all right something's getting nuked